steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Maholt. And today, we have another fun Minnesota Vikings game to talk about. And I mean fun in the most joking of senses, of course. Um, your Minnesota Vikings, unfortunately, fall to the Arizona Cardinals by a final score of 34-33. to Now, Drew and I were pretty pessimistic that we would even get to that point. So, that in itself... The game being, you know, exciting is a win, I suppose. But the way it ended with Greg Joseph missing a 37-yard field goal right, wide right has become all too familiar for us as Vikings fans. Um, and naturally, we have some things to talk about. It's not just about the field goal. I'm going to start it off by just saying that. Uh, obviously, it sucks that Greg Joseph missed the field goal. Had he made it, the Vikings would have, in fact, won the game. And that in itself sucks. But just to pre- like to kind of put an overhead of this entire conversation that we're about to have my perception of kickers in general and just the way that football games operate is that yes, Greg Joseph had an opportunity to win the football game and he failed to do so, but he did not lose the football game. I think people get that confused in general where you look at, you look at a way, the way a player played and he has an opportunity to win. Yeah. He had that opportunity but he did not actively lose this football game. And no. that's really what we're going to talk about here today. Right. And I mean, that's, there's a billion different ways to look at a game like this when it ends this way and how much scoring there was and, and all that, um, which we can dive into. But um, I, I do find it a bit, um, I mean, there's some parallels to the Blair Walsh thing where it's kind of like mm-hmm. Greg Joseph played, I mean, kick really well. I mean, made 250 plus yarders in this game. He did miss an extra point. He did miss the obviously the key 37 yarder to win the game at the end of regulation. But uh, he made a couple of really nice kicks as well to keep the Vikings in it. And it's kind of like how Blair Walsh in the game uh, against Seattle there, where he was what three for three prior to that, the only scoring the Vikings had in the game. And so I mean, combined that with you know minus 10 degrees and of temperature, and it's like well, the, he was did pretty well and kind of kept him in it. So it it almost hides and kind of, um, you know, overshadows the the real issues or concerns that maybe went on with this game other than the kicker. And I think uh, that's probably what I'm more focused on anyway, because I, I I mean, I think, you know, kickers miss. And at this point, you know, we're kind of used to that in terms of Vikings. Um, and the other way around too, opposing kickers making field goals, such as Matt Prater's 62 yard before half. So we're kind of used to that. It's the other stuff that I'm more interested in. The Greg Joseph stuff is just it's it's low hanging fruit, right? Like it's gonna be the first thing that everyone's talking about today. I mean, we have to talk on it, talk about it as well because it's you know it's a key element of what went down yesterday. Um, but as a whole, you know, if Drew and I are still doing this show in five years, unfortunately, the truth is is that we probably won't even remember the extra point. We're just gonna miss the field goal that missed wide right from thirty seven yards out that lost the Vikings the football game that, in theory, could tee up a you know avalanche of a terrible run here for the Vikings and essentially screw up this entire season. We Mm -hmm. can go that far on this, right? We can be as dramatic as we want. Um, 
that's not really the attitude of this show. I don't think, I think that we're trying to find solutions here more than anything else. And the, the unfortunate thing about a game like this is that when you play super well, you know, individually, you look at a lot of different individuals, especially top paid individuals who played well in this game, right? Dalvin cook, of course, was longest rush was 16 yards. And yet he had over 130 yards rushing efficiency throughout the game. Kirk cousins, first half, was lights out. Daniil Hunter has three sacks. Eric Kendricks came up with a couple of big plays. I mean, the the free agents that you signed, Xavier Woods, would looked amazing. Nick Vigil had maybe the game of his entire life. With so many highlights, it's kind of hard to find. All right, where's the sticking point? What's what went wrong here that put the Vikings in a position in this game where they could lose this football game if Greg Joseph missed that field goal. And that's what we're trying to figure out here because with so many guys playing well, at least for certain stretches of the game, and I think that's really what this comes down to, especially in a one-point game, is that you've got these great stretches, but there's also points in the game where your superstars, your highest-paid players, I don't want to say faded into the distance, but they definitely didn't shine brightly, right? You think of what Kirk Cousins did in the second half, and I know you want to talk about this specifically because you have this great first half where your yards per attempt average is amazing, your air yards are outstanding, your efficiency numbers are great, but then you look at the kind of what happened in the second half. And I've got this pulled up because I think this is an important point that whether you want to blame this on Kirk Cousins or not, I'm not going to personally, but this is good fodder for that. In In the second half, the Vikings went punt, 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 punt with a field goal in the middle there by Greg Joseph, that same guy that missed a field goal, by the way. And that was a 50-plus yarder. So what did Kirk do in the second half? I mean, if you're trying to assemble that pie, right, Kirk Cousins slice, it's coming from the second half of this football game. Right, right. And, I mean, so that's frustrating because the Vikings came out aggressively on offense. They're on fire, um, throwing the ball down the field. Obviously, the Osborne touchdown right away in the game. Oh, yeah, amazing. And then, uh, so the problem I have, I think a really big problem for me in this game, obviously the kicker, there's, you know, whatever else you want to blame, uh, clock management, time management, there's all, different, all these different things. My biggest thing is the offensive approach in the second half and how they got so conservative. And I think it's it's, it's almost a theme where and the Vikings have gotten away with this over the years because I think the defense has been a little stronger and they've been able to get, get away with it. But now you have uh, the Vikings getting conservative and they can't really hold that lead. So uh, what, here's what I'm referring to. Kirk Cousins in the first half on early downs, 0.51 EPA a play, which is elite stuff. Uh, the coaching staff, right? I mean, the play calling, I'm sure it's a Clint thing, but he's probably influenced by Zimmer, but they take away basically any aggression on first and second down in the second half um, where they ran on nine, nine of 14 early down plays in the second half. So basically taking away that effectiveness that was there early, throwing Kirk, I mean, that that's tough for any quarterback to get into a rhythm. If it's first and second down, you're running the ball on those plays nine out of 14 times. And clearly Kirk was in that rhythm early on because they were passing on those downs. And uh, they, they they changed the pace there. So I don't like that. I, I hate that they kind of let up a little bit. They got complacent. And I think that's a big reason why the Vikings didn't win this game. Well, we've yelled about that before, right? Like we've been annoyed with complacency or maybe it may not be complacency because this is in the NFL and they are making adjustments, but it's definitely like a level of comfort, right? That the Vikings have when they seem to get a lead. They, and that's, some of that is inherent to the style of offense that Mike Zimmer wants to run too, which is 
you know, if you're if we're going to start, we're not going to start having this conversation now. But when you're looking at future coaching candidates, if it, if it comes to that. Right. I mean, that's something you have to consider the coaching style, the, the way you want to win. EPA, of course, being ex- expected points added. If you're a baseball fan, it's kind of like war, but for individual games. Right. So when your coach is his philosophy does not mesh well with contemporary standard for analytics and general, you know, aggressiveness in the NFL, you're going to get situations like this where there's going to be people who are outraged. I mean, you you guys all saw the stat, I'm sure, on Twitter where Mike Zimmer had, you know, six opportunities to go for it, and he made the wrong decision all six times, which put the Vikings, in theory, analytically speaking, I should say, in a worse position to win this football game. So coaching is a piece of this. It's definitely an important piece of this. I, you know, we can use analytics. We can use the eye test. We can use all of these different things. But, like, I don't know how much of this is actually on Zimmer. I know that, you know, our group specifically at Climbing the Pocket had a pretty intense discussion today about the decision to let the clock wind down with Mm -hmm. 37 seconds remaining following the K.J. Osborne catch, which, by the way, a lot of stuff is going to get overlooked this week just because of what the focus is of this show. But K.J. Osborne should not be one of those things. I mean, he's a bona fide wide receiver three that's running at least four routes at a high rate based off what I was seeing just in the first two weeks of the season. And one of those is that go route, and one of them is that slant over the middle. So you got a third down conversion and a vertical threat guy built into one. That's a nice piece. So I just want to put that out there. But I want to talk about the way that Vike Zimmer approached the situation because while I think you and I are probably on the same page here, I know there are people out there that are definitely frustrated with the approach because the Vikings essentially said in so many words, right, we got to the thir- we got to his 37-yard range. We're going to take this. This is what we want. That's it. No more. We're going to sit on it, go for the field goal, let's try to win the football game right now. There was what forty three seconds. There was like forty something, forty seconds left. So, if, so if with a, with a timeout, by the way. with a timeout, right? And that's important. So with efficiency, if you operate, you know, no huddle, you have plays built in, and kind of, you know, the options are built into your, you know, route combinations. With efficiency, you could probably get two, three, maybe even four plays off. Still, if you know, assuming these receivers are either dropping the ball going out of bounds, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of variables there, of course. But my point being here is that you had time. You had time to do more stuff. There's two arguments here now, right? There is the, there's going to be the group who says, all right, the Vikings last week with Dalvin Cook, don't want that to happen again. Don't want to risk running the football. That's going to be one group. And you guys, I'm a Vikings fan. I'm with you. I hear you all the way on that point. Now there's going to be that second group who's like, why in the hell – would you take a 37-yard try with all this history in Minnesota when you could potentially get a closer try at 25, 27 or a touchdown. PAT distance or a touchdown, right? Why would you even do – why would you give that up just because you're scared? And that argument, also with you guys, hate playing scared football, but again, that's part of the philosophy of Mike Zimmer is that when you get an opportunity to win – you sit on it and you bleed it out. You put take a knee and you let the clock run down with Dalvin Cook. That's his been his philosophy when you get a lead. He likes to win games by seven points. So this is the situation you have. You've got basically analytics, general efficiency, contemporary thinking versus old school football, contain the football, make sure you do not lose the football, and by God, do not give it back to the other team no matter what you do. Those are your butting heads here. 
And I think both of you guys have a fair point here. Really, I do. Right. I, I think, I mean, I understand both sides 100%. And it's one of those where I have no problem with it because the kicker makes this kick, what, 90% of the time? Yeah. And so 90% of the time, this discussion, this type of situation comes up in the NFL. Right. Nobody talks about it. Um, because if Joseph makes that kick, as you should, there's no issues if ands or buts about it. We're talking about how great a game Zimmer coach probably. I mean, honestly, that's probably what happens here because Vikings should Vikings should not have won this game. Um, we're talking about how they were able to shut, relatively speaking, shut down Kyler Murray in the second half of this game, and we're talking about Zimmer's halftime adjustments and what he did there, and especially that that series where he needed to get a three and out and did. So we're talking about that. Right. Um, obviously, the kicker missed, and suddenly we're talking about this clock management thing, and like I. You know, the point I, I want to just make is like this situation happens all the time in the NFL. Every like week, there's basically a time or a, a scenario where an NFL team is trying to set up that game winning score. Maybe they're trailing. Maybe it's tied, whatever the case might be. But there is, you know, a minute left, 50 seconds, left, 40 seconds, whatever it is. They have extra time and they always let that clock run out. I mean, this is a very common practice. It's not like Zimmer is the only guy in the league that does this. Right. And so obviously in this scenario, it happened to burn the Vikings because the kicker missed, but I, I, I would like to know, maybe this is a thing. Uh, maybe this has happened to other fan bases. They have this kind of debate because the kicker missed. I don't know, but I've never seen it before. I would like to, uh, to know from other fan base experiences. Like I'm sure the Chargers fans could speak to it with their kicker problems lately, but I mean, if are, do you want to be aggressive or do you want to lay back and try and take a chance with the kick? I don't know, but that's I just wanted to point that out that this is a common thing that probably happens all the time. It's just that we overlook it because the kick goes in. Yeah, and us as Vikings fans have trauma with field goals, right? So we're just always like inherently like I can't get rid of I can't remove that bias, right? I am scared of field goals. I don't care if it's from 27, 37, 64, whatever. I'm going to be terrified. I don't think the Vikings are going to make it. I just had too many traumatic experiences. And, and one more thing, too. Like, so there's a couple of things that are baked into this. Number one, Dalvin fumbled last week in overtime because right. they were trying to get into better field, field goal position. That's one thing Zimmer's probably got a little PTSD from. Okay, number two, Greg Joseph made the, the clutch kick last week when he needed to to send the game to overtime. So I'm sure Zimmer's thought kind of is to err on the, I guess, safe side in terms of not giving the ball back. We're like, well, we got a kicker. He made the clutch kick last week. He's probably feeling good. He just made two 50 yard bombs. Yep. Let's let's send him out there. Let's make sure we get that opportunity to kick that field goal versus the probably low odds fair. I mean the low odds, but the odds of a turnover or a sack that brings them farther back into range or whatever the case might be. So I don't know. I mean, I, I see both sides. I get it. I, I understand being trying to be aggressive and I I'm totally with you in general uh, for those people on the lack of aggression in general on offense in that second half. It was brutal. It was tough to watch. The only time they were aggressive in the second half was when they needed to go down and get that drive uh, for a field goal. And it happened to work. Uh, it's just, I, I see both sides here. I think ultimately it's just one of those unlucky things. I hate saying unlucky. I hate being the guy that blames luck for a loss, but I mean that in a way, I think that's kind of what happened here. It's just Zimmer played the cards, right? You can't fault him for what he did or what the offense did. You only you can in hindsight, but it's just, the the process wasn't that wrong for me. Uh, there's a lot of other things that in the process of this game that were worse, in my opinion. So it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, right? Because you know what this discussion would look like had the Vikings attempted to go for more yards. And let's say, you know, got if Dalvin Cook fumbles again, 
for example. By the way, he almost had a fumble earlier in the game, too. That's just another note. Um, Kirk Cousins throws an interception trying to fit in a quick slant to get eight more yards or something like that. Or, you know, something right. goes awry on a screen pass that was designed to get you six That's more yards. That's the thing, too, is, I mean, when with Kirk, like, I mean, at that point, you're trying to tell your quarterback, do not take any chances here. Like, do Absolutely. this. Absolutely. so. Yes. At that point, maybe the quarter, maybe Kirk holds it a little too long, takes the sack, and all of a sudden, then you're what six yards back farther from the, the field goal attempt. So I mean, it's there's and the clock is running, and you have to use that timeout. And right. there's you know there's just the factor as well too that we can't know, and that none of us, unless Greg Joseph speaks to it, like maybe Greg Joseph prefers 37 yard field goals to 27 yard field goals. Like kicking in it of itself, right? Like it's not putting. It doesn't necessarily get harder as you go further back, right? Like there's other things that you have to consider, same way that you would in putting, right? Like it, it might be better to have a shorter putt if you've got, you know, a direct shot at it. Well, well the other thing too is the they, they did center the ball in the middle of the field, so exactly you might have where, to give that up yeah. if you go for and it. I, I mean, I would imagine the kicker wants it closer the better, but also could be one of those two where they're just like hey, the ball's in the center right now we can take this one that's what i want maybe that's what joseph told him i we don't know right. that part we never right. will but uh, i've heard i've heard kickers say that it's harder to kick like a 25 yarder than it is to kick like a 33 because you don't have as much angle right like if you like the from the, from the hash you mean you're saying right so like if you kick from 25 at a bad angle the ball doesn't have enough time to correct Right. So like sometimes you'll see kicks where they fly out to the right and then they slowly convert back into the middle, Mm -hmm. something like that. So there are kickers. I've heard them speak on this before. I don't know if it's true for everyone. I don't know Greg Joseph's thoughts. I'm kind of disappointed that no one asked about this because it's it's an important factor of kicking and like that that overcorrection. Right. Um, It can hurt you, too, in the same in the same way. Right. Like if we've seen kickers plenty of times where they kick it hard left and it just because it's 15 feet, 15 yards or 18 yards or whatever have you, it just slides right in on that left post. Like we've seen that before, too. The point being here, ultimately, is that if you have a problem with the process or not, because the process here, I think if it goes wrong, like if you miss the kick or if you fumble the football, it doesn't matter what the decision was. It's just the result that matters. And so that's the situation we're in here today. I don't think people are actually mad about the process. I think they're mad about the result, and I don't blame you guys. I think that the process itself is a situation where you either get it right or you don't. I mean, they're just trying to find something to be angry about exactly. instead of the kicker thing. They're trying to – they're blame sick of something. being angry Someone's at be kickers. A scapegoat. But yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, I, I did want to bring this stat up here. This is tweeted from uh, Will Regat. I might say this name wrong. Ragats or Regats. He's the SI Vikings guy. The Vikings have had the biggest negative swing in win probability on a single play for two straight weeks. Uh, so basically the most negatively impacted play in the NFL. Week one and in week two. The fumble and overtime from Dalvin Cook last week uh, brought their win percentage down from 87% to 27%. And then this week, the Joseph miss was from 90%. So basically 90% chance to make that kick to zero, obviously with the miss. So uh, right there. And he said, based on those pre-play numbers, there was a 1.3% chance Vikings would lose both of those games and be 0-2. So that's Let's talk about luck. Let's talk about luck. I think that th- this is something that we don't talk about on the show ever. Because like you I said hate before, talking about luck. I hate it. But I, it, it, it's it, I think here. it's worth it here. It's yeah. relevant here. This is important because the Vikings, this is not just like, okay, you missed a 37-yard field goal, uh, whatever, we'll get over it. 
this is you missed a 37 yard field goal. Blair Walsh missed a, you know a 27 yard field goal. Gary Anderson missed a kick after converting 100 percent of his field goals. Like this is bad luck at this point. There's something going on here. People talk about a curse. I talk about a curse. You know, like well, I have a number on this. I have stats on this for kickers anyway, the kicker thing. So since Mike Zimmer took over, by that EPA number, right? Ex- expected points added number that we've uh, we've we mentioned here. Uh, it's it's kind of a you know it's it, I don't want to say it's a deeply analytical figure, but it's basically a here's how many points you're expected to add given a 36 yard field goal, right? So you're probably right. adding, you know, just shy of three points per try from that number because you know most people point. will make most kickers will make those, right? Uh, but by EPA, the Vikings have had the fourth worst kickers. Um, meanwhile, the opponents of the Vikings have been the number one kickers. Um, Again, in the league in the last, well, now laugh, seven man. years since Zimmer took over. So the Vikings have been 29th in kicking. The opponents have been number one. And it's actually staggering the the deficit at which the, the opponents are number one. So, um, I, yeah, I mean, the, the gap between number one and number two for them. So it's number one is the Vikings in terms of the worst um, luck, I would say. Uh, right. The best kicker efficiency against, right? The Vikings is number one. The gap is as 21 points added uh, from one to two, the gap between two and 10 is 13. So, I mean, the Vikings are just demolishing teams in terms of uh, how good kickers are against us. And I remember specifically last year, week three was the Titans game where Goskowski uh, was on the Titans. Yep. Went six for six with like three fifty some yarders. Mm-hmm. And like, other than that, he was like 40% of the year. Like it was just is stupid. So <laughs> there's there there is something to this. Like it, it is statistically back. Like it's, an it's anomaly. not ju- it's it's not just our like mind playing this up like the Vikings are unlucky. It actually is a thing. Other teams make kicks far more often against the Vikings than against any other team. And vice versa, the Vikings are missing kicks far more often than uh well, all but three teams in the lat the Zimmer era. So, I mean, there's, and it, it, some of that's luck. There could be coaching. I don't know what that is, but that part it, it's, it's not like we're dreaming this up. The Vikings are gen like very much getting screwed out by, by, by kickers. Honestly, like what, am, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, like, I, that's the thing. As, like you, you were like, you're like, let's talk about luck. I'm like, I mean, I don't know what there is to talk about. Like, it's just, it's just luck. Like, but like the Vikings have bad luck. I don't know what to say. Here, here's the thing though. It's like, it's that, You've got this situation, right, where it's supposed to be ninety percent, right? That was the uh, that was the figure that we're putting this kick at, right? It's supposed to be ninety percent. The thirty-seven yarder, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you've got then you got the Blair kind of Walsh puts in, kick. Kind of puts in context the Blair Walsh one too a little bit. If that was ninety percent, what was the Blair Walsh kick? I mean, the, the conditions, I'm sure, but yes, that that too. And then you, the Gary Anderson one, of course, and you know, it makes you. My mind goes to the people who wanted to kick the field goal with Ryan Longwell. I mean, he would have absolutely missed that one too. Right, it's <laughs> a good point. The the, the championship one, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not would, no way. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no chance. That was like fifty-two in like the most pressure cook situation in Vikings history. No way he hits that. He's chunking that. Reggie Bush oh, is catching it oh, and taking yeah. it to the house. That's not even getting there. No way. I mean, that's where my mind goes first and foremost. And secondly, I, I'm just so damaged by this man. Like, like the luck thing. I want to talk about the luck thing because it's like. Why do we have such bad luck? And there's not an answer to this, but like it's a, it's a discussion that like there are teams that are luckier than others, and there are teams that also make their own luck better than others. That's what, there's someone listening to this right now screaming that you make your own luck. 
And I'm with you because the Patriots exist, right? Like the Patriots made their own luck by basically working the rules to their favor for so many years that they're just straight up getting more calls. You can look at stats. That's just how it is, right? Green Bay. Green Bay as well, right? Like there's teams that have manufactured their own luck. But in a situation with kicking where you think, right, the Vikings have gotten great kicking talents throughout the years, right? Like we're talking Gary Anderson, one of the most efficient kickers of all time. Blair Blair Walsh both, both broke the record for the most 50-yard kicks in a single season. Daniel I mean, Carlson like, is a Daniel good Carlson right is now. doing what he did in Las Vegas yesterday. I mean, like the Vikings have had talent. So like you can't say, all right, they haven't had the talent to do it. You can say that the coaching has been maybe a little bit short-leashed recently, but that's not like a franchise thing, right? Like that's just more Mike Zimmer fed up with them. And can you blame them? Like I, I just I, I'm baffled by the amount of luck that the Vikings do not have in comparison to their opponents in kicking, in officials, in dropped catches with Troy Williamson. Like there are so many things that have gotten in my head well, over about the, the years. Pass, even yesterday there was a, a pass that I think Max Williams ended up catching for like 30 yards, but the what one that was, was like that? tipped two times oh over Oh my God, middle. I was screaming. What? <laughs> like that should have been picked off or at the very least an incomplete pass. I mean, and it, Max it, it was Williams tipped too? twice and Max like, Williams caught it and rumbled for 25 yards or whatever it was like stuff like that. You just kind of knew that I mean it, that to me was like okay this I mean there's just no way this ends up being a win um stuff like that and I know this is just this has become just two fans blabbering about how unlucky <laughs> their team is but uh that's what I mean we have that we, we we had the statistical numbers to back this up like the, in terms of the kicking anyway the Vikings are unlucky straight up and uh I don't think a, a coach should be coaching around that like you should like Zimmer should be going into a 37 yard kick being like well my kickers are unlucky the past seven years. So because of that, I'm going to not trust my kicker here to make a 37 yard kick, which is a 90% make probability. Right. No, no, no. You know, you probably just give the guy the, the kick. Um, I don't know. It, it's all, it's all very frustrating and it sucks because I think the Vikings played about as good as they could have yesterday, all things considered, and they still lost the game. So that, that catch by Max Williams, by the way, <laughs> I think it was like 35 yards or something like that. This dude has never had more than 44 receiving yards in a game. I just looked this up briefly. Like, I just scanned through his game. He's a gopher, like, right? Yeah, of course. I, like, I, I think a lot of us have followed his career for that reason. But, like, he picked that moment to be his breakout game, right? Like, he was good outside of that. We dogged him on yeah. the show coming into this. Like, I guess it's Marvin Jones you, all I over I think again. you basically just called him a guy. Yeah. I think, Or maybe it was me. Well, I don't know. I, he is I, a guy that plays football for the Cardinals. I feel that way still. I mean, that was... A career day for Max Williams, and my goodness, again, just straight up bad luck. Um, okay, so back to the actual football game now that we've wrapped up that here. Uh, what we did last show, at least, was after we kind of did the doom and gloom, we spent about 10 minutes or so speaking to reasons for optimism, right? Like reasons things can turn around, um, positive moments. And I think we've said a couple of those already. You know, Kirk was out, out about as good as I've ever seen him or you know most Vikings quarterbacks ever within that first you know two quarters like that was as efficient as you're gonna find you know we talked about KJ Osborne a little bit um what are some other things for you where they watching this football game where you're like all right we lost 34 33 in the most heartbreaking way ever once again we're 0 and 2 heading into Seattle you know it doesn't look good but yeah shine some light on here so I think number one I'm gonna say it again um I think Kirk Cousins the fact it's kind of a way overshadowed because nobody's going to look at two losses and think, well, Kirk's uh, not getting it done when it matters. But 
that's two weeks in a row now where he, the Vikings have basically been in a situation where it's need points on this drive now, um, or you lose. And he has both times driven the Vikings down into position to score those points. And I mean, if the Vikings kick a 37 yard field goal and that goes in, we're talking about how Kirk led another, you know, huge fourth quarter comeback drive. Um, same thing he did last week. So in a way, like it's, it sucks because he doesn't get the credit for it, but he is sort of answering that call to be more uh, perform better in the crunch time, um, which I like. Now we can talk about how that needs to extend to all four quarters. I get that. I really don't really blame the, his performance in the second half on him. Again, I think they just, the Vikings went back to their old conservative ways. And I think that really disturbed things uh, offensively, but I, I, a positive takeaway for me is Kirk Cousins just being being that guy when it matters two weeks in a row now, um, which is good to see. And it justifies a little bit anyway of the large paycheck he's receiving. But other than that, Daniel Hunter being an animal. Um, and I think the way the Vikings adjusted to the Cardinals attack um, in the second half, outside of that long fourth and or third and five, fourth and five of the all out blitz Cardinals didn't do a whole lot. And that's, that gives me a lot of optimism for the future. Um, when now they have Russell Wilson coming up. Okay. So I think that they're like, really like you made the point earlier that if, if that kick sails through like this, the tone of the show is just like a quick one eighty. Like we're very positive here. We're talking about the fact that both of us, on the show, so this was going to be a two-score football game, like the Cardinals win. I think you went as far as to say it would be like a forty-point game, like jokingly, of course. But there's there's some truth in the exaggeration. I mean, right? I, I I did not think it'd be a close game. Right. So that in and of itself, I think, is a reason for optimism. The Vikings played with a very good football team, a team that's probably going to be in it when you know Week 17 rolls around. Um, in theory, this is a quote good loss, right? Like you lost to a quality opponent. Um, it's going to raise your, you know, opponent's average, it, all those the long stats, whatever. This is a good loss in that regard. The other thing here uh, is just the defense as a whole, right? Like if you take away that Rondale Moore play at the, I believe at the end of the first half, that was 77 yards and really just kind of like complete. It was the first half version of what we got in the second half, just a complete morale killer. The team was playing very well. And all of a sudden Rondale Moore just you know, breaks one off for a touchdown and it looks really bad because it looks like the defense was sleeping. It looks like, you know, the corners weren't in good coverage. It looks like Zimmer has, you know, the bad, you know, a terrible play call. It looks a lot of different ways, right? But if you take that one play out, right, I think the secondary is pretty impressive as a whole. DeAndre Hopkins got four targets in this football game. This is a dude that generally averages between nine and 12 targets. And I know one of those went for a touchdown. He's off for I a hot start and then just nothing after that. Right. I know he scored a touchdown. I know he had 54 receiving yards, but basically he was non-existent for the second half of this football game. So that speaks a lot to the coverage team here. I know that Prashad Breland has not been good. Uh, that remains consistent. He still has been, you know, not awesome to say the least. But Cam Dantzler came up with a big, you know, deflection in the end zone. You know, I've been, you know, tearing him apart for the last month on this show, and he finally gets an opportunity to play. And now I'm starting to think that maybe it's a Zimmer thing than a Cam Dantzler thing. Uh, so. There's some reason for hope there as well. Um, and then just Dalvin Cook, like as a whole, right? Like the way that he played football yesterday. By the way, they, offensive line in general, I think was really, yes. really good. Yeah, Kirk had too. time to throw. The run blocking was was outstanding. I mean, they were pushing guys five, six yards downfield, like virtually every other run snap. I mean, that good Dalvin had a ton. Too. Dalvin had a ton of room to run, which was extremely different from the Cincy game. So they made it whatever adjustment last week, and it really worked. Fair to say the Vikings won in the trenches. 
I, th- I think so. I mean, it, it kind of gets out overshadowed by how Kyler's just running around people the whole time. But I think they won that battle. I think they if did. we handicap the fact that Chandler Jones had five sacks last week and then he only had three pressures this week, does that push you over the edge? Right. Yes, it does. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that J.J. Watt, I don't believe his name was called by the broadcasters. Like, this is a guy that literally. I think it was just him. when he, like, went low on Dalvin and he injured him and then went call, over right? and, like, uh, yeah, right. And then O'Neal he went got over to try and, like. He went and tried to like, like see how Dell was doing. Check on him, and like he's like, "Hey, no, you can't do that, JJ. Don't be nice. You just hurt our guy. Like, <laughs> come on." So really, I mean, you look at this. Like, you look at the complete body of work, and you just imagine a world where that field goal went through. And like, this looks really good. Like, I want to say one more thing on Nick Vigil too, because like no one on this planet expected him to be even a contributor. Right. Like like maybe as a spot starter, if two guys get hurt, we thought Nick Vigil might come in and give you six tackles and I'll use your word complacent defense. Basically, he gave you eight tackles, a defensive touchdown. I mean, he was all over the place in coverage. A couple of key run stops, too. I mean, he was as good as you can possibly get from a guy that you expected quite literally zero from the season. So. That's big. And then also Mackenzie Alexander played well, too. Xavier Woods, too. Another looks like another great free agent signing. I mean, there's a lot of things to really like about. So, yeah, it's almost it's weird because I feel I have more hope for the season right now than after losing a second game right now than I did after losing to Cincy last week and being only one in a, or oh and one, excuse me. I have more optimism for the season because I, I, I believe that they can now compete with Seattle and Cleveland at home. I believe, I mean, I don't think they're going to win both games. I think that they have a chance to, though. They have a chance to. I did not think that prior to this game. They showed me something that has t- changed my tune a little bit. So, again, I'm not expecting them to go make a playoff run or anything like that. Uh, but I think there is that ability in this team right now just based on that performance. Because I think, I think if it wasn't for Kyler just doing some stupid stuff, like a couple of times where you, the the, the, yeah. the uh, Rondell Moore touchdown was one of them scooted out of there. Uh, the the zero blitz where you threw the the dime to Christian Kirk down the field. I mean, those are a couple of plays that the average quarterback doesn't make that. I mean, even like the average elite quarterback doesn't make that. I don't think Tom Brady makes those plays. You know, I mean, the, just the guy that can has the awareness and to scoot out of there and make those plays. So it, that was a unique one. I don't think I'm. I mean. Obviously, it sucks to lose that game 100%, but I I do feel better about this team moving forward than I did, you know, a week ago. So got that going for you, at least, I suppose, whatever my feelings are worth. (laughs) Last thing here that I wanted to uh, that I want to speak on, and that is, you know, the fact that the Vikings have played the schedule that they have on the road, right? They're 0-2 to start the season, but they're also 0-2 on the road. Now, if you think of kind of like the old school mentality, I'm sure you know, one of your dad, like either your dad or an uncle or someone said this to you at some point that the goal is that you want to win your games at home and then play 500 on the road. And that's going to get you to the postseason, right? Like you're supposed to lose half of your road games. Granted, the Vikings play nine of them this year, which is a little bit unfortunate, but they've played two of them now that granted they have lost both of them. They can still get back to four, you know, four and five, five and four, somewhere in there. Do you put how much stock do you put into the fact that the Vikings have lost away games and now that they get to go home like if they go in and if they go home and beat seattle do we start looking at these two games we're like ah you know what they were trying to get it together they were playing on the road against a good opponent and an up-and-coming opponent. I, I mean 
Does no, that matter? Does that matter at all? Do we just care about because that? the way that they lost both? Again, it's just more of like these are toss up games um, where it's more these about these games were about the ball bouncing the right way essentially. Um, and so from that sense, no. Now if they, I guess if they come out and just dominate Seattle, um, it'd be one thing. But uh, we'll see. I think we have yet to you have more to see on that. I will say though, there was a pretty electric Vikings crowd there in Arizona. Some early false starts I think created from. The Vikings crowd, which I don't hate to see that, but it's I think it's just something it's, it's interesting to look at, but it's it's one of those correlation causation things, right? Like, you know, people started throwing out the stat. I think Eric Stomp, Eric Thompson from Daily Norson was the first one that threw it out yesterday that, this, you know, I think it's for the last like 15 years or so when the Vikings start 0-2, they've made the postseason one time. And that was in 2003. 12 i think i can't remember what the year was off the top of my head forgive me for that but anyways there was one time in that time frame where the vikings started 0-2 on the road specifically and they didn't make the playoffs that year but that was only the that was the one time that this has happened so in theory you can kind of history's not really be with you or against you in this situation because it just hasn't really been that common of a situation so if you're looking for something else to add to your optimism optimism just keep in mind that if the Vikings go home and win both these games at Seattle and Cleveland, which in theory, again, going with what I was just saying before, you've split at home, excuse me, you split on the road and win at home. If that happens, you get to two and two, you beat two good teams, like all of a sudden, like, okay, this doesn't matter as much anymore. But it's the doom and gloom attitude, which is fair because you're playing against a Seattle team that basically just got walked, that well, did just get walked off by Tennessee. So you know you're going to get their best. Right. And then after that, you're going to Cleveland, who is considered to be, you know, a Super Bowl contender. But if they win those games, which I don't think they will, but if they do, I mean, things start looking better real quick again. Like they're big ifs, but they're they're there. They were those ifs weren't even there for me before. So we got yeah, that. I, I Again, I feel better about this team now than I did a week ago. I think that's, you know, that's an interesting point. I think people there'll be a polarizing point, but I, I will definitely say I feel better about this team now than I did at the end of preseason, because at least I know that they can run an offense efficiently and effectively. And the fact that they have three receivers and they kind just, of pivoted just do well. it, just do it the whole game. Don't <laughs> give up on it after the first half. I like that they pivoted super well to the three wide receiver set too. I think that's kind of going under the radar as like another thing that they did effectively that just, KJ. We're not gonna, yeah, we're not going to talk about the fact that they literally had to essentially realign their offense with the injury to Irv Smith and it's going well, that would be something we'd be talking about had, you know, this team be two and oh, instead of, you know, oh, and two, but yeah, you know, whatever. Um, it's a frustrating game. Uh, <laughs> I'm still frustrated about what happened yesterday, but here we are. We're talking about it together. We're having a good time with this. And hopefully um, you guys have enjoyed kind of the, the doom and gloom aura of this show. And hopefully it's not something that we, that we get used to. Um, final thoughts. Is there anything that you want to point out? Anything that we overlooked? Any error or omission that we have had before we get out of here? Um, for his, maybe you're upset with Mike Zimmer for his game management. It always could be worse. I wanted to point out <laughs> what the Texans did against the Browns. Um, what's the guy's name? David uh, Cully. Cully, David Cully. So it was a third and 15 play from their own, I think like 40 yard line or so they got 13 yards on the play. So that sets them up at fourth and two, right? Mm -hmm. They had an offside penalty on Cleveland. So they had the choice between fourth and two or third and 10. Um, Cully declines the penalty, sets up fourth and two. Yeah, the dog here doesn't like the call either, doesn't agree with Cully either. Um, so it sets up fourth and two, declines the penalty, and then punts anyway, 
which is the wildest decision I've ever seen. And you can see the reaction of Kevin Stefanski. He's watching it like, right, is this some joke? Like, I don't, I don't get it. So I had to point that out. It's hilarious. I'm still laughing about it. I will laugh about it the rest of the year. And that's why the Texans are going to be irrelevant for a while. Yeah, that was, did you guys, did you see the David Cully interview about it afterwards too? If they asked him about it, they're like, Hey, what you, you know, what were you basically in so many words, what, what were you thinking here? And he was like, Oh, we thought we could win the field position battle. Just and, unreal. I which mean, is, unbelievable. Like uh, you could punt on third and 10 from the 50 either way or whatever, 45, whatever it would have been just unreal. I, he said something like I'm convinced if, that I'm convinced the average fan is better at games management than head coaches. And that's, that's proving it to me. I, I flabbergasted <laughs> by that. He said something like, well, if the, if the situation presents itself again, then maybe we'll have to look at it differently. It's like, nah, dude, not maybe like if, at, at worst, just accept the, I mean, it's okay to say you messed up. Just be like, yeah, yeah, I messed up. Yeah. <laughs> just say it. Like how hard is that? Yeah, seriously. Um, Last point for me is we didn't really mention mention Justin Jefferson on this episode. Um, he did have a touchdown. He had some yards, some big catches. I think that he's in a bit of a, a bit of a sophomore slump. I'm going to go that far after two games because he's dropping passes that I haven't seen that yeah. I that I yeah. that he wouldn't normally catch. I don't I, think I won't he go there good. yet. I won't go there yet. Two games I, at home. He thrived at home last year. I'll 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 wait. I'll wait. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I'll I'll, I'll downgrade that to a keep an eye out for this because I think that there's, there's something there. Cause there was definitely at least one ball yesterday that Justin Jefferson typically catches. And if he had caught it different outcome. So something to keep an eye on. I suppose. Fair enough. All right. Um, that's all we got for today. Um, thank you for joining us as always. We appreciate that. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to your podcast. Um, you can also watch us on YouTube. If you prefer that men- method of entertainment, uh, make sure to check out the rest of the climbing the pocket team. I know we've got live shows Monday through Friday during the evening time. And also there's a couple other podcasts around the network that you can find uh, with us as well. So uh, make sure to check that stuff out and see what the rest of the guys on the team are doing. Um, they're doing a great job. So we appreciate you listening to us. Uh, we'll be back later on this week to take a, you know, more intricate look at Seattle um, and if this game is you know as much of kind of a losing situation as I fear it is as of you know Monday evening so uh, that's the game plan for the rest of the week we appreciate you guys listening and we will catch you guys later on this week